When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! Welcome to Awesome Etiquette! Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. And today our show is especially awesome because we are going to talk about the great divide when your friends start having kids and all of a sudden your interactions with them might be changing. We are going to talk about how to manage whether or not a friend who's kind of disappeared on you is really still going to be a friend or not. And we are going to address one of the sweetest questions we have ever been asked about what's a prom date to do. And we've got a postscript segment on guilt. That's all coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio. And Minnesota Public Radio. And is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we're from the Emily Post Institute. And we just completed our big biannual Train the Trainer Week. And I'm going to let our listeners in on a little bit of uh, some inside baseball here. That this, oh, yeah? This was your first time doing the wedding etiquette training. And this was, yeah. I heard that it went really well. <laughs> you going to make me blush. It did go really well. I really enjoyed it. First of all, we had Cracker Jack group of of uh, women, all women this time, and they were they were fantastic. It was about seven trainees, and they came in. They all had bright, positive attitudes. It was really fun to get to stand up there and represent material that you've heard us talk about on this show a lot, but do it with people who are wedding planners or who want to become wedding planners. Um, and that was really exciting. It was also really special because I got to do it with my mama. I'm so glad and, you said something I wanted to mention. I know. That. My mom is the living encyclopedia of etiquette and and most things in general i mean my mom she's she's a pretty special lady she remembers she she describes it she's like oh the attic just keeps getting more full when she talks about her brain things kind of go up there and stay permanently but she she was a wealth of knowledge and she brought so much to the training and it was really a joy to actually get to teach it with her you've gotten to teach trainings with your mom before mm-hmm. i've gotten to do interviews with my dad but to get to work with my mom on the wedding training was really something special this past week. Well, and she really prefers to work in the background. And yes. I thought it Does was not like the limelight. I think it was because she was able to do it with you that she really felt yeah. comfortable doing it. And Aww, thanks, Dan. Gave, uh, it made my heart warm <laughs> to see it. <laughs> well, it was awesome. And I had support from you, too. You showed up suit on first thing in the morning after a long week of training. You came and you didn't have to be there and you showed up. And I was very grateful to see your smiling face that Saturday. Saturday morning. 
I've been through a few first trainings myself, <laughs> and I know that it's oftentimes just getting set up and getting going that can be the yeah. hardest part. Although I was really curious when it was all over, and we did our sort of check-in conversation the following week, and you said, boy, and I've got ideas about ways I want to improve it and do it. And I thought to myself, it's always the case that when you take it out for a test drive, you start to say to yourself, boy, I could make this better. I know what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, these train-the-trainer weeks, I have to say, they are really a special time for Dan and me because we get to train people how to teach Emily Post etiquette or we get to train people in depth in Emily Post etiquette. And it's really a special bond that forms during that particular week, both among the trainees and between the trainers, us and, and our trainees. And we, it is a beautiful thing to welcome more people into the Emily Post family. Well, cuz, congratulations. And now should we get on with this show? I think we should get on with the show. Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, please email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or give us a call at 802-866-0860 and leave us a message. Our first question is titled, The Great Divide. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm at the age when many of my friends are starting to have children, and I'm often receiving invitations to their kids' birthday parties. I don't wish to go to these parties for many reasons, including out of principle. In my opinion, kids' parties these days are much too large and extravagant and are mostly just a beg for gifts. Also, at such parties that I have attended in the past, I feel out of place since I don't have children of my own to play with all of the other kids there. The parties obviously and understandably cater towards the child guests, not the adults. I've tried to be open to the experience, but just don't enjoy these parties. I have responded to recent invitations by sending my regrets in a timely manner and sent a card and small gift for the birthday boy or girl. I feel this is an appropriate way to handle the situation, but my absence is starting to strain relationships with my friends. I have not told them why I choose not to attend, nor do I intend to, and I'm afraid they are taking it personally. Is my response appropriate? Should I just set aside my feelings for a few hours and go and make the best of these parties? All the best. Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, I feel you. This happens. Some friends are really able to survive the great divide, as I call it, and and others aren't. And it's kind of a reality when, you're, when your lives go in very different directions. It doesn't mean that people who have kids and people who don't have kids can't have wonderfully strong, awesome, amazing friendships. But the focus is really different, especially once those children, you know, when little babies turn into little people all of a sudden, kind of like between age two and three, and all of a sudden it really is a different focus and it can really change friendships. So I think you're experiencing that. I think you're doing a great job by sending, you, you don't have to send the card and the gift when you decline these party invitations. I want to just really stress to parents of little kids that I think it's really nice to ask your friends who don't have children whether they want to be a part of these type of events or not. There are some some children of my friends who I, I love the fact that I get invited to their birthdays. I love the fact that, that they include me and, and Auntie Lizzie gets to be a part of things. Other friends, I completely understand that they don't invite me to those parties. I think they just assume I'm not going to be interested and don't want to come. And I'm not offended by that at all. I think, you know, time and place and uh, what I think really matters is that regardless of what you do when it comes to accepting or declining these children's birthday party invitations is that are you reaching out to your friends and trying to make time with them 
outside of these parties? Are you trying to still maintain that close friendship? I think that that will go a long way towards you really having a solid understanding of how to navigate this time in your lives and and your friendship during this time in your lives. I would do two things if I were in your shoes. I would keep saying no to the birthday parties if I don't want to be going to them. I think that's totally appropriate. And then I would also make sure that I'm inviting uh, my friend to do things both as just adults and with her kid. So I might say, hey, what if you and and me and uh, Bear all went to the park together this afternoon? And I think there's a lot of room for Bear. <laughs> Sorry, I just picked a name for a kid. Um, but, you know, go. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show do things where, you know, maybe Bear has something to do that you can watch and enjoy and engage with him and play, but at the same time have time for the two of you to talk. I think finding ways to reach out to your friends like that where there aren't gifts involved, it's not so child-focused that you're going to feel impolite or rude if you're not paying attention and playing with the children. But find ways to both hang out as an adult and hang out recognizing your friend's new family. I so like that advice, cousin. The little add-on advice I was gonna yeah. uh, contribute was to be prepared for for your old friend not to be able to do as much with you as you make those invitations. But I love yes. your suggestion to make some of those invitations ones that include the new child or new children. And you don't have to, but it's not a bad idea to. And I really do want to stress to parents who who have kids. <laughs> Obviously, Dan's phrase that our our grandfather used, if you don't have them, you're just not interested. That can apply. But I also think that if you've got really good friends who don't have kids, you know, pay attention to them. Are they the person who's just dying and waiting to have kids of their own, in which case spending time with your child might be a real blessing for them? 
Or I've got a number of girlfriends who have no interest in having children. I really hope to be a mom one day. I am not going to try to push our hangout time to include my children. In fact, I will look at it as that's my my wonderful break time to be an adult. And so if you have kids, just pay attention to what your friends' feelings are and try to be respectful of that. New friends are great, but old friends are the best. And anything you can do to really um, maintain those relationships, I think is I think it's worth investing a little bit. And I can tell you really care about it based on your question. I'm sure that you're going to be fine moving forward, whatever course of action you take. Our next question is titled, Still Friends? Question mark. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I got married last summer, and one of my very best friends was a bridesmaid. We had been friends since freshman year of college. That's 10 years ago. We talked to each other almost every day, vacation together. She helped my now husband plan our engagement. And overall, we're just incredibly close. Our wedding was in July and one of the most amazing days of my life. Now, almost 10 months later, I have barely spoken to this friend. It seems like the lines of communication just died after I said I do. I have tried numerous times to reach out via text, email, and phone. We live in different cities, and I always let her know when I'm coming to hers for work or for fun. Over time, I have received more and more one-word short answers from her, and she never reciprocates the outreach. A few months ago, I even asked if something happened, which was met with a, no, I'm just busy. After months of tears and being mad at myself for something I could not control, I finally stopped reaching out. It hurt me too much. Every social media post of her outdoing things with other friends sent me into a tailspin, so I had to stop. But now, we have a mutual friend getting married this fall. Her bachelorette and shower are coming up in June, and the other friend is coming. While I'm under no expectation that things will magically be better when I see her, I would like to be prepared and not let this stress damper my fun. How should I act around her? Do I address the fact that we've drifted, or do I just move forward and pretend all is fine? Do I reach out ahead of time? Thanks. Still friends? Question mark. Oh, still friends. This is such a tough call. A Um, really tough call. You're you're tracking through in your question a lot of the advice that I would be inclined to give. In previous episodes, Lizzie suggested that maybe a three-month window post-wedding is a good amount of time to allow for before you expect relationships to start to renormalize after such an intense transition and life change and often experience for everybody involved. It sounds like 10 months down the road, you're not seeing a normalizing in that relationship. And I, I... You've done the first thing that I would suggest, which is that you've tried to address it with her directly, to which she's replied, no, I'm just busy. And there is an old saying, I can deal with someone's hate. It's their indifference that really is is difficult. Just being ignored can be so painful. It, It sounds like you also have no idea where the the point of pain came from that has caused this change in the relationship. Or just the point of distance, even like if she's really busy, it still doesn't feel like busy is enough of a reason for these one word answers that she's getting. Yeah. The natural change in a relationship that'll happen around such a big life change doesn't account for what's going on. And that not knowing can be incredibly difficult. At the same time, if this person isn't willing to talk to you about it, there's not a lot you can do. Sometimes when you ask that question of what's wrong, it will compound the problem if the person thinks you should know. Like, how could you not know what's wrong? Exactly. Right? And and then the distance just grows and grows and grows. Right. And you might do one more pass at asking, I really care about you. I really care about our relationship. It's been incredibly painful for me, the distance that I feel between us. And 
I'm wanting to know what I can do to make it better or if there's anything I can do to make it better. If you're interested in talking, really making that a more serious ask might be helpful. It might not. It might not be a situation where, frankly, you feel comfortable doing that or it would yeah. even be well received. This is a, a bit of a speculation on my part. I do have some advice also for how to handle the coming bachelorette party. You ask how to act around her. You want to act normally. You want to keep the focus on the guest of honor. You don't want to pretend it's all fine. There's a certain lack of sincerity there. No one expects you to ignore that there's something going on between you. But you do have to say to yourself, you know, this isn't the day that I'm going to address it. You wonder about reaching out ahead of time. If you think that you might be able to make that ask in a way that's going to be better received, if you really want to, I think that's entirely appropriate. Sometimes it's best to allow a relationship to normalize by just allowing it to normalize and moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking of a couple things here, and it's really going to depend on what still friends feels. And, and still friends, you're the only one who's going to know whether these suggestions feel right to you or not. So I really encourage you to run with whatever feel. trust your gut and run with whatever feels right. But you might do a kind of reach out where you're not bringing up, is there a big problem? But you might just say, I'm really looking forward to getting to see you at the bachelor party in the shower this weekend. That might be a light way of taking her temperature sort of, you know, of seeing where she's at. If you're still getting really frosty responses after that, know that at the party, you might just really want to focus, you know, g- give her a wave, give her a hi, maybe give her a hug hello, but but really focus on, like Dan's saying, the honoree, maybe make sure you talk to other people more. It's a good indication that you should just let her be at the party. Now is definitely not the time to be getting into it. If she is is her normal, friendly self and says, I'm really looking forward to it, too. Or if when you get there, her attitude is one that you see is bright and she's walking over to you to give a hug. I say just run with it because now you have a positive experience at this party and you can worry about whatever the the fallout was later on if you need to, as opposed to in the moment. I love Dan's advice. Focus on the party and the honoree for the most part when it comes to getting together. Still friends, we really hope that helps. And we also hope that this bachelorette party provides an opportunity for you to move forward with this friendship. Our next question is titled Promposed Problems. Dear Lizzie and Dan, my cousin has a serious dilemma. A somewhat shy girl who likes him recently promposed to him for her prom. They do not go to the same school. He said yes. Later that day, my cousin realized that the prom is the same night as his mother's 50th birthday party, which has friends and family coming in from out of town. What should he do? Thanks for your advice, concerned cousin. Oh my goodness, concerned cousin. This is a dilemma for sure. And I love the fact that you gave us the background to know that the girl is shy and she does like him. So this is actually a big, this is like, I'm just picturing her like, this is a big deal that this this boy is going to go to prom with her. And as a really shy girl who does not like to expose her feelings, I would feel so much for her who took the courage and the guy said yes, and this is all working out. So I'm coming from the perspective of I really want him to go to this prom. I think that you explain to the families and maybe cousin, you can help as well and say, hey, you know, like uh, Kevin got asked by this girl and this like means the world to her and he didn't realize it was going to be the same day. Is there some way that they can do both? I like the idea of, of could you get the date to commit to coming to mom's party for an hour? I mean, that might sound really high pressure and over the top, but It's just I want him to be able to both support his mom on her day 
And also this girl, come on, let's, can we not crush the shy girl's dreams, please? <laughs> can we not do that? Can we just say that, that, that he has to go to prom with her? I want him to go to prom with her. Lizzie, I want can, pictures. Can this you is tell, so stinking cute. Lizzie, could you tell people what my bullet says for this one? <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, this, by the way, I was laughing so hard when I opened up our, our Google Doc and saw this. Mom or prom, question mark. You're only young once and the old will understand. <laughs> and I, I, love it. I don't want to call anyone old, but I do think that there is a certain romance to prom. And, and I think that my cousin really captured very well the spirit of that romance. And I do think that it keeps um, all of us who are many years beyond our proms young to think about that moment and to share it with with the young among us so so concerned cousin and cousin who is going to be on this prom date we say that the the two of you should go to mom and and explain the situation and see if there isn't some compromise that you can come to and state how very much you want to support mom on her big day or if it's a surprise party you're going to have to go to dad and talk to him you might talk about doing something special with mom earlier in the day and then getting ready and and I'm really hoping that shy girl would be willing to come to the party for a minute and think about this whole family now being together and potentially seeing this this young gentleman off to his prom it could be a really magical moment for the whole family i couldn't agree more and definitely get your mother something really thoughtful yes and also you know don't forget the corsage for shy girl this is going to be a big night for her but there's more what's that more questions coming up but first a word from our sponsor here let's try another trick Our next question is titled, Nothing is the Plan. I've got a friend who loves to invite herself to my home or other events I attend. For example, if she says, what are you doing tonight? And I say, we're headed to the carnival and meeting some of our daughter's friends from school. She'll say, great, I'll join you. Then I have to explain that it wouldn't be a good idea. Another friend set up the get together, et cetera, et cetera. Slightly awkward, but not too bad. Where it gets more difficult is when she asks, what are you doing tonight or this weekend? Occasionally, the truth is nothing, and it's on purpose. I want to break from socializing and don't want company, but she hears nothing as a problem to solve and starts planning an event or figuring out a way that we can get together. How do I let her know that if I want to invite her to my home or to an event, I will do so directly? Is it too rude to say nothing and it's on purpose? I just want some downtime at home alone with the family and leave it at that. Or is there a better way to convey that message? Sincerely, Asker Etiquette. (laughs) Asker Etiquette, I appreciate your question because nothing can really be something. And you're talking to somebody who treasures his alone time, who really likes a little bit of privacy and really feels that it's necessary, that it's important to have recuperation in your life so that you can go out and be that social creature and do it well. I wouldn't advise talking to this person about how she invites herself. Uh, I don't think that you've established the standing in this situation to address someone else's etiquette. I think you're handling it exactly appropriately. In your question, you asked, should I say nothing and it's on purpose? That's an example where that is the the truth, but maybe it's a yep. truth that's just a little bit harsh. And so, there might be a kinder truth, a way to, to round out the edges of that truth just a little bit, but still communicate exactly that. I'm so looking forward to a weekend of doing nothing, or I'm so looking forward to a night at home with my family, or so that if you're not describing it as nothing, it might be easier for her to identify that this is positive alone time. 
I've definitely done this before where I had a friend who's going through a hard time and we were hanging out a lot and I really wanted to be there and be supportive of her. But I got to the point where I needed a weekend where I could just fly by the seat of my pants, where I was going to decide what I was doing in the moment. And I expressed that when she so she asked me, what are your plans this weekend? And I said, you know, this weekend. I'm actually not making any plans. I really want to be able to choose what I want to do in the moment and for the duration that I'm going to do it for. And that's totally fine thing to say. But rather than saying nothing and it's on purpose, which, of course, you might not say it with that kind of attitude I just gave it, but it gives it a little bit more of a my plan is to just let things happen as I'd like them to or to take things as they come. And I think that's a good way to communicate to her that you don't need her to fix the fact that you're going to do nothing. <laughs> Ask her etiquette. We really hope that helps. And I also hope that you get some of that treasured alone time and that it is as delicious as you anticipated. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates and comments and feedback. We absolutely love it. You can either leave us a message on our answering machine at 802-866-0860. You can send us an email at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or reach out to us on Twitter with the hashtag awesomeetiquette. We would love to hear from you. It's time for the Postscript segment where we explore the exciting nuance of a single piece of etiquette. And today we're going to be digging deep into etiquette around correcting a past etiquette mistake. Our producer Hans has dubbed this week's Postscript segment, we're all doing the best we can, learning to forgive yourself. Hans, I think that's either like a perfect self-help book or one of our next Emily Post etiquette seminars. Yeah, isn't that good? (laughs) But here is Hans to set us up with this week's postscript. Hans, welcome. Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. Yes. So this is a kind of a big deal. Most of us live in this culture. We're making mistakes, saying things like I don't know, or even just looking vulnerable at all are kind of unacceptable places to be. So we worry yeah. about how it looks professionally. We worry about losing face with friends or alienating family. And a lot of us, and I have to include myself, confessional time, I am I struggle with this a lot, can tie our sense of self-worth into being correct or doing the right thing or having all the answers all the time without any mistakes. And we can often be taught that making mistakes makes you a bad person. But real talk, <laughs> you're not always going to be right or do the proper thing. You're just, it, you're not, despite all of your best efforts or your good intentions or even by knowing more than you used to know, you will always have more to learn and there will always be new situations where you could mess up. So part of etiquette, as I've learned from you guys, is learning how to recover when you didn't know what you were supposed to do or when you just messed up because that happens. So recently, we got an interesting question from Etiquette Newbie. And that started off in a really interesting way. They said, I've realized through listening to this podcast that there were many things I just didn't know. 
I constantly violated etiquette norms for many years without even realizing it. For example, I attended my cousin's wedding three years ago. The flight and hotel were large expenses for me, so I did not bring a gift. I felt guilty and foolish after hearing you refer to a gift etiquette like objective truth. So I recently gave my cousin a wedding gift three years late. Is that the best way to mend etiquette wrongs? Which is a really interesting way to phrase that. We Mm -hmm. also heard recently from Daniel. He's gotten into the lovely habit of calling his aunts and uncles on their birthdays and singing happy birthday to them. About two weeks ago, um, I had an aunt whose both of their birthdays were on the same day, and I called, and I sang happy birthday to one aunt. And then, you know, we got done talking, I hung up. And then I called my other aunt, and I told her happy birthday, too, except I neglected to sing happy birthday to her, which was a really bad idea. It was a dumb idea because uh, the aunt that I called first posted on Facebook about, like, you know, how appreciative she was that that her nephew called her and sung happy birthday to her. And then the second aunt, she read it. So I called my second aunt back and I said, hey, happy. And I started singing happy birthday to her. And um, after, like, we talked for a little bit after that. And she mentioned in passing that, yeah, I saw that um, Claudia posted about you singing. And I was like, mm, uh, yeah, sorry about that. And then I just kind of told her how much I loved her. And then I <laughs> and then I said goodbye. But I just felt so bad for the rest of the night. What do you think I should have done? Is there something I should do even now, two or three weeks later? I just, I'm super late. But if there's anything I can do to kind of clean this up, or maybe just for future reference, if I ever make, ever make a mistake like that again, I would love your help. Sorry for talking fast. I apologize. So Lizzie and I are sitting here noticing how much Daniel and Hans kind of sound alike. I know. I swear it was <laughs> I Hans. think it's the variability in the voice, the rise yeah. and fall, the certain pacing. Um, yeah. And thank you for, for letting us in on that conversation. Daniel, um, it sounds like you do a really, uh, a really special and sweet thing with your aunts. That's nice. And I also like this example because it's a great low stakes example of managing an etiquette faux pas or a wrong or dealing with guilt. I wanted to address the the topic of guilt because it's really useful. Guilt is related to empathy. It's about our ability to identify with how other people are feeling or might be impacted or might be feeling. I think at its heart, guilt is really important and it's useful. When I was doing just a little bit of research, I read that psychopaths don't feel guilt. (laughs) So in some ways, you can feel good about your ability to identify that you've done wrong and to feel bad about it. And it's useful so far as it helps you to... I don't know. Fix a mistake. Fix a mistake or, or keep from doing a bad thing to begin with or... Or take ownership of something that did cause problems. Exactly. Or yeah. to do something proactively to keep yourself or someone else from feeling bad. Yeah. Guilt is incredibly useful. It can also be less useful. Very quickly. When it becomes incapacitating. <laughs> um, or when it's triggered by a situation where it's it's um, the amount of guilt that you're feeling, the amount of wrong that you feel that you've committed is out of proportion with what happened, well, with the reality of the situation. Um, some common triggers that people respond to where they start to feel guilty, where they might not need to, are saying no. Lizzie yes. and I often talk about how important it is to say no well and that that's that's a skill and it's an important skill to have that you could, you're going to have to say no at some point in your life. And you don't want to feel guilty every time you do it. In fact, you should feel empowered to say no well. Another time that sometimes people feel guilty is when they're doing things for themselves, when they're taking time. We had a question on this show where we talked about the importance of doing nothing and how important it is to yes. reserve time for yourself, whether that's spontaneous time or downtime. And it's important not necessarily to feel guilty for taking care of yourself in those ways. So 
What are some ways that you might identify when guilt is useful and when it isn't? You have to to walk this path between allowing yourself to feel bad so that you're connected to other people, so that you hold yourself accountable and responsible, but not so bad that you start to rob life of its joy or you start to be incapacitated from taking action in the future. So you can always ask yourself, was the thing that you're feeling guilty appropriate or acceptable under the circumstances. So our very first question in this postscript had to do with uh, failing to bring a wedding gift when you didn't know that a wedding gift was expected. And to me, that's acceptable under the circumstances. You really didn't know. You don't need to feel that badly about this. And you don't need to go and correct it by sending wedding gifts. You could if you wanted to, but you don't have to. Exactly. So so what do you do? Well, (laughs) you don't take it too hard. You definitely rectify the situation if you can. You you make amends, but then you move forward. In the future, you bring a wedding gift. And I could tell by the tone of your question that that's part of your plan. Sometimes Lizzie and I talk about apologize, do what you can, and then move on. Move on. And I think that's important to face the situation, to make the amends that you can and that you learn from it. And I think that that learning from it is really key here towards making guilt useful, but also not letting it incapacitate you. You can ask yourself, what am I going to do differently in the future? And make that ask of yourself in the future a reasonable ask. That's so important because that's what's going to let you actually act on it and take that action and make that commitment and have that be an honest commitment to yourself. You're not going to promise the world because that's not realistic but you are going to learn from it you're going to do what you can and you're going to move forward i think that is the best way that you can leverage your guilt to the best advantage well you don't want to feel bad about what you didn't know it's okay to forgive yourself for never having known it that's okay you didn't know don't worry about it and that you know i think i think a lot of times as kids we're told that's not a good excuse oh i didn't know oh i didn't know i didn't know but I think as an adult, you have a much better grounding in where you really didn't know something and now you do so you can take ownership and change a behavior or make an apology or right or wrong somehow. But leave it at that. Don't don't beat yourself up. I think that's a really, really key point here. I definitely want to jump back to the big picture that ultimately all of the etiquette guidelines or rules that we talk about are really meant to support and grow relationships. And they're useful to the extent that they do that. But don't let breaking a rule end up being the thing that breaks down the relationship. Dan, I think that is the most perfect point to wrap this up and end on. And I just I really hope that a lot of people take Dan's words to heart and that they can feel a little lighter and know that there's a course of action to take, but that there's there's also a way to move on and and let this not be fraught. How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you want to put your best foot forward. Each week, we like to give the final word to someone who's experienced a good turn in life. This week, we have an etiquette salute from Hannah. Uh, Hello, Lizzie and Dan. This is Hannah from Northern Virginia. I'm a children's librarian, and I live with my fiancé and my adorable cat, Drake. So um, Drake and Dorito were litter mates. We got them together when they were just four months old, and they had never spent a night apart until this happened. Um, Dorito unexpectedly went into congestive heart failure caused by a genetic heart defect. 
he passed away less than a week later before his second birthday. We were told by the vet that it was very possible Drake would have the same genetic heart defect, and we had to take him in for an echocardiogram. The woman who worked as the receptionist at the cat cardiologist, her only job was to check us in, put us in a room, and bill us on our way out, but she was amazing. She uh, took us to the room. I was sick at the time, and I was destroyed over Dorito's death. She got me some tea from the break room. I think it was actually her personal tea. And then she sat with us for 20 minutes getting Drake acclimated to the room and to calm me down. Um, And then afterwards when we got the good news that Drake did not have the same heart defect, she celebrated with me before billing me. She spent probably five or ten minutes with me just being so excited that I wasn't going to lose Drake like I lost Dorito. So to the woman who works at the cat cardiologist in Vienna, uh, Virginia, thank you so much for helping me through a very difficult time in my life and for helping Drake through the scariest health care we've had so far. Thank you for being so great and going above and beyond what you were expected to do that day. Thank you, Lizzie and Dan, for letting me do this etiquette salute. Your show is great, and I've learned so much. Boy, Hannah, when you're in those tough emotional moments, especially when it is with a pet who, you know, you you don't exactly know how they're feeling. You can't always tell when they're scared. And and there's such a loving, comforting part of your life that when something's up with them, that can be just such an incredibly difficult time that to, to have a stranger reach out and really understand the nerves and the anxiety and the emotions behind it and help you manage those along with the experience you're going to have to go through. That's truly incredible, and I'm really glad that the folks at that uh, vet clinic, at that cat clinic, are there for you. Thank you for sharing your salute with us. I've got a little kitty cat that never chases a mouse. All she wants to do all day is lounge around the house. She purrs when she needs me, and I'm right at her command. But when I try to pet her now, she scratches at my hand. So that's just and thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us questions and comments and feedbacks and salutes. You can send your next question or comment or salute to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 802-866-0860. And don't forget, we love your feedback. So please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Oh, that's just like you, baby. Just like you, baby. That's just like you, baby. Just like you, baby. Oh, it's just like you, baby. Only gonna hurt me. Just like you, baby. Just like you, baby. It's just like you, baby. Just like you, baby. I only wanna hurt me. Just like you, baby. It's just like you, baby. Just like you, baby. I only wanna hurt.